everyone. This is Allie and Dristen, and you're listening to If You Have to Ask. Today we have another special show for you. We're going to talk about where, what we're about, what we've been about the past two weeks. Our listener question, which we'll answer first, and hopefully you'll answer next week. And then our main topic for this week um, is social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly, how it can bring some down, and how it can just entertain us uh, to pieces. Uh, <laughs> while bringing people down sometimes. While bringing people down. You know, I thought about that as I was doing my last minute research. I have two examples of the social media like um, at its worst and at its best. And I realized both cases is um, <laughs> both cases are bringing people down. Are, it's just one you're happy about. <laughs> are bringing people down, except yeah, one that I'm happy about is I could not stop. I looked at BuzzFeed, Twitter, everything, as much as I could to find as much to find as much information as possible. So we'll get into that. But first, Tristan, what are you about this week? Um, I uh, so I've been in LA now for like um three weeks, I think, straight, I, it's, which would, is my longest um, stint in L.A. since I moved here. Um, and it's nice. I've been, like, enjoying some parts of L.A. Like, I did yoga uh, in Silver Lake Park, which was fun. I went to, uh, like, a queer movie festival kind of thing. Uh, yeah. That's, that's you know, that was, like, really nice. It's, like, warm. I've been hiking and uh, having, like, just, like, kind of, like, L.A. lifestyle. Um Wow. Yeah, which is pretty nice. But honestly, I just I woke up today like a little I don't know, just like a little sad in my in my spirit. So I don't really know what that's about yet. Um, oh gosh, like summertime sadness. <clears throat> maybe. Not- I think it's like just like no intimacy sadness. <laughs> just because. Well, that's the story of my life. So I'm that's not. The story of your life. My boyfriend's been gone for five weeks now, and I think I'm realizing, like, that a lot of my um, feelings of self-worth come from, like, intimacy or, like, affirmations about, um, you know, someone wanting to be intimate with me uh, and not having that. I'm, like, looking around, like, wondering, do I have meaning in this life? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I have a perfect book for you because... Well, you know what? First off, I have my therapist's number for you. Okay, Second, okay. She suggested this book to me this week. Uh, it's called The Five Levels of Attachment. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. Yeah. Um, it sounds like something that you could benefit from. Yeah, maybe so. Have so, you read it yet? I have not, but um, she suggested it to me. After I was telling her about some things, um, some of my activities over the past two weeks, and she also said that I could benefit from it. So we oh, all maybe, could. maybe we can read it together. Yes. So the five levels um, address are this: authentic self, preference, identity, internalization, and fanati- fanaticism. How do you say that? Fanaticism. Fanaticism. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, he is it, lays is out, that the word? Yeah. Yeah, that is the word. Yeah, he lays out very simply how our personal belief systems are conditioned from a very early age. We naturally develop preferences and make up judgments as well. This book will help readers through es- will walk readers through essays to question their own beliefs and look outside the box of their personal attachments. Ruiz provides a simple step for readers to take action, pausing before jumping to conclusions, and then give them gives them uh, giving them permission to experience an alternate story. To their condition attachments that can be applied in any situation. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like this is now a sponsored podcast. <laughs> I feel like you just read the press the press briefing for that book. Yeah. The, five, the five levels of attachment. This is our commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, Allie, I'm feeling sad. Anything that you can have to help me? Can you you should read the five levels of attachment. Thanks, Highly Don. recommended. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Um, anyway, she suggested that to me because I don't know. Um, I'm not even really sure how that has to do with the situation that you're in right now. But uh, well, I haven't read it. But maybe so. Maybe it does, and maybe it doesn't. I don't. You know what? I've been marketing this book to so many people, and they're like, "Oh, tell me what it's about." I'm like, "I don't know." It was recommended to me by my therapist, so it might be good. 
uh, or it must be good. But I told okay. her I, I was. She actually suggested it when I was talking about um, feelings of attachment to someone, and she said, "Oh, you know, you should think about that because my feelings of attachment weren't really because I was attached to that person, but were what I wanted that person, how I wanted that person to view me." Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. If that makes any sense. That makes sense. Um, you're in a stable relationship, so obviously we're at different starting points, but you might benefit from it, Tristan. Yeah, I might. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks for the recommendation, Ali. You're welcome, and thanks, Don. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ali, what, what have you been all about? Um, so, so what you're saying is you're about sadness because you'd feel incomplete by yourself. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, I would not categorize it that way. I just thought I feel like a little down this morning... Oh. And I think part of it is just like not having that like regular physical intimacy. Oh wow, um, I can't relate to this at all, but um, it sounds like an interesting human condition. <laughs> you how can you not relate to that? I don't know. I mean, I've been single, mostly single, for the past thirty-one years. Yeah, so don't you get like uh, you know? Nope, I don't know what you're talking about. So. Okay. All right. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of weird because what you're talking about, um, I don't, I mean, I've never been in a, not to put my business out there, but to put my business, I've never been in a relationship longer than like three or four months. So, and I've always been one foot in, in them in that I actually really enjoy being alone and I enjoy the feeling of, um, of not having people around. And so that could be yeah. a problem in and of itself. Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which maybe that, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I've been, what have I been about this week or the past two weeks? Mm -hmm. uh, well, as I told my trusty therapist, who I talk to every other week, I've actually, it's weird. I don't know. I've probably already said this on the podcast before. I just felt, really happy the past couple weeks not like super dramatically happy but just content um happy of, about where i am who i'm friends with and what i'm doing yeah so, that's nice I, yeah it's really nice i mean i kind of feel myself this is tmi actually you know what it's so tmi i'm not even gonna say it <laughs> okay uh, but once a month, I go really crazy where I think the world is up against me. Um, yes. And so, in any way, I'm feeling that now, like, where I'm paranoid, and I'm like, what is everyone thinking about me? What are they about me? Uh, but generally speaking, I'm just happy. Like, I I really like the situation. I like the people I know here, and I don't know. So, I'm, I'm going to try to keep that momentum going. That's good. So, I'm excited you're liking Amon and, like, feeling, you know, like, uh, like you like where you are. Okay, I didn't say I liked Amon. That's but... where you are. And you're feeling happy about where you are, no? <laughs> you know, I realized the other day, I never leave my neighborhood. I never. Right. Someone was just visiting, and he's probably seen more of Amon than I have, and I've been here for five months. Mm. Uh, for example, there is some Roman, uh, Roman ruins that are downtown we'll go to in a couple weeks. And one time me and my friend Mechi tried to go there, I think a couple, maybe in March or April, and we got lost and couldn't find it, and I haven't tried to find it since. That's, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll try to find it when I'm there. Yeah, I think all we have to do is take a cab, but I never leave the neighborhood. I just <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it might not be hard. No, it's kind of crazy, but um, you're right. Amman is fine. It's a fine city. Um and so on. I'm a, not attached, but fond of it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should like, like in like a uh, new media style, we should like record like a bunch of like little small videos while we're together doing things in Amman and post them online. Let us, let us know if you would find that interesting. You want me to let you know if I would find that interesting? No, I'm saying the listeners let us know. Okay. You mean like <laughs> Snapchat or... No, longer than Snapchat. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll see if I can get fit by then. Just I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> get fit. Whatever. What you you're fit. You got a fit. You got a figure. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, 
Let's do it. We should do it. Oh, we should do uh, it. We could so just now, do it on Snapchat. Maybe we should just make a Snapchat account for, for we us should. together. I think and the crazy thing, another thing that I'm about this week, and I don't want to list, you know, all the good things that are happening to me because, you know, I don't want to make people jealous. But four of my very close friends are coming to visit in uh, two or three weeks. Yeah, uh, so exciting. It's very exciting. One just bought his ticket last night. Uh, and now I realize we can't even all fit in a taxi. <laughs> oh, they don't, what, a person won't sit, can't sit up front in a taxi? You can, but there are four of you. Oh, true. That is true. Yeah. So it's okay. I'll just walk places and you make sure guys. <laughs> we can just go. take two taxis, right? Whatever. Yeah. We'll I just out. thought is it was funny because that's one thing that I was thinking about. But there's anyway, no Uber there. Yeah, there's Uber, but you can't order like the double plus cars. Oh, okay. Not All that right. many people use SUVs here or um, the military starts. Um, style cars right yeah yeah but anyway so what's the question for the week tristan all right well we're gonna be talking about something very simple and uh near to both of our hearts uh which is food so we're just gonna say what's your favorite food so Allie, what's your favorite food okay first off i have to say i love i love 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 food Today, I woke up, well, okay, I didn't wake up, but I was taking a nap, and as I was taking falling asleep, I thought to myself, I want a burrito. Yeah. Or, oh my gosh, it's, or like a Chipotle, even though I don't think I would eat at Chipotle. Well, in case Chipotle ever decides to sponsor this podcast. What's wrong with Chipotle? I eat at Chipotle. Well, ever since I heard about the E. coli outbreak, um, I, also, right. I also heard that some of their meat might have had dog meat in it. And I know every restaurant has been accused of this. I don't. I don't eat meat anyway, so that's not a problem for me. True, sure, it's never a problem for me. But I mean, no difference to me to dog meat and cow meat. It's both meat. So okay, well, just the, I feel like that I'd rather cow meat next to my food than dog meat. If I don't care. Has, if there has to be meat next to my food, what are you like an animal? What? Are, okay, we won't get into this, but. Um, <laughs> another show another show anyway so oh, we my, should do a show about like why we're both vegetarians we might people might might not like that i don't no, know i mean no. like in short um i don't even think that would warrant a whole episode for me um i have i'm doing it just because i want to do it not because i have some some ethical yeah okay standing. Yeah. so I know, I'm, but sometimes, depending on the audience, I'll lie. <laughs> Play it up. Yes. Um, anyway, so my favorite food in the whole wide world is rice and beans. Oh. I love and it's probably your most frequently eaten food, too. So you're living a good life. I am. Okay, honestly, I haven't been eating as much as I should. I don't have a can. Well, I haven't. I've been too lazy to cook black beans, and I also don't have a can opener. So it's. Easily solved problem that I haven't addressed yet. Oh, uh, yeah. You just like mean rice by itself? Can opener in the U.S. No, no, no. But my favorite food is the combination of rice and beans together. So it's like a, my older sister um, makes the best food in the whole wide world. Also, I wouldn't give her a shout out. My sister Onique has been listening to our podcast. She has two little kids running around. And has found time to put on some headphones and listen so that they don't hear any bad words. <laughs> they don't hear bad words. <laughs> Sometimes she texts. She's like, I'm trying to listen, but Gabby and Esther are, um, are interrupting me or want something. So thanks, Nick, for listening. Yeah, um, thanks. Uh, so anyway, so she's my favorite cook. She's the best cook in the world. She's also seven years older than me, so she was cooking a lot when I was little. And she makes the best rice and beans in the world. I don't know how she does it. It's the Haitian version, and I could just sit and eat it for days, hours, and never stop. Whenever I go to her house, I just keep eating until I get really sick. Um, so anyway, that's my favorite food. <laughs> nice. What's yours? I don't know that I will have, like, a, a favorite. I mean, I think, like, my, like, general favorite, I'm going to say, like, a cuisine type, which right now is, like, um, Kind of like Southern California fusion. Like I really like like um, I don't know a mix of like like lots of things have like um, you know like quinoa or flax or chia seeds. It's like whatever like Buzz Health Food is, and like it's like that. Or... 
You said white people food? <laughs> but that's not, but in Southern California, that's not true. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. I love yeah. quinoa and kale. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's like usually that with like, I like some kind of like mix of like, um, like Hispanic or Mexican, um, or Asian kind of like influence also. I don't know. I think Southern California has like such awesome food and it's like a really nice, like, um, fusion food is like done like so well here, like tacos, like with, with like, like Indian style tacos or, let um, me, let me ask you, you know, this, ask me this. If you were locked in a room and you were locked in a room for a whole week and they said, Tristan, what do you want to eat? What would you say? Would you say, oh, I want a, a, a fusion? <laughs> I would, if that <laughs> yeah. was an option, for sure. No, you would. They'd be, they would lock the doors back up. <laughs> I'd probably say a burrito then. Exactly. That's what I thought you were going to say. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah. What, what's on your burrito? If I make it myself, um, it would be like rice, black beans, um, guacamole, oh. um, uh, salsa, what else do I put on there? No, like definitely no no cheese. I don't like cheese in a burrito. Um, lettuce? No, I don't put any lettuce in either. I'm trying to think. Your, yeah, your burritos are basically black beans, rice, and salsa, right? Sometimes I've seen you put like some chili, maybe not you. Put some chili, what chili, what? Like well, there's I definitely hot sauce on it. Hot sauce is, yeah. uh, is key for eating the burrito. Yeah. That sounds delicious. I love, I've been thinking about American food a lot lately. I thought that burrito might be your, your favorite food before your, yeah. your Southern California fusion came up. Well, but that, to me, like, I mean, not that it's burrito is definitively a California thing, but I think there's like a lot of like great burritos here that have like a California fusion flavor to them, which I yeah. wouldn't make myself because I don't like know how to make anything, but like a burrito with like kimchi on it and like different flavors and stuff, I think is like really delicious. That is delicious. You've been eating burritos since you were a kid. That's not true. Well, didn't my you? Mom, my mom still does not know what a burrito is. And like, in a real sense, she thinks that a taco and a burrito and a fajita are all the same thing. Like That's from Taco true. Bell? Yes. Like, she, even if she tries to make them herself, it's, like, basically always a burrito that she makes, but she'll call it, like, a fajita or a taco. Oh. But I feel like I had a lot of tacos at your house growing up. Yeah. Yeah. She will also make, what she calls fajitas are really burritos, what she calls tacos are like American style tacos, not like California or Mexican style tacos. Okay, well we can't all be educated about these things. Tristan. Well, and and clearly we're not. But I didn't know that growing up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and clearly we're not. I just remember like uh, flour tortillas and right. the cheddar cheese that she used to grate. Yeah, like a Taco Bell style. Taco. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we can't. What did you just say? I guess clearly we're not all educated about this. <laughs> We're not, I'm, there's lots of things I'm not educated on still, like but what? I do feel like I know, oh, I don't know, tons of, there's like tons of cuisines I know nothing about. What's well, first example? of all, like anything with meat. I don't know the distinctions between those. Any, like, I'm not, I don't know anything about cheeses. Jesus? <laughs> cheese, cheese, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Cause I thought you Dairy said, products. I thought you said Jesus. And I was going to say, you grew up with a pastor for a father. You know your verses. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I don't. I don't know what I. But you used to eat meat, so. Yeah, uh, uh, seafood. So we didn't eat seafood growing up. I really know very little about seafood. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, clearly I, there's I, a. I've never eaten pork. My, uh, like a little bit when I was a kid. We, that bacon was like the only kind of pork we had, and I've like never had any other kind of pork. Oh my gosh, bacon! I don't eat meat, but every time I smell bacon, whew, the spirit moves me. I have the opposite effect. I do not like the smell of bacon at all. I love the smell of bacon, but maybe because I ate it growing up. And it's also, they say it's the vegetarian's gateway drug. To, so. to not being a vegetarian, like a meat eater's gateway? Like, you know, yeah, like, you know how people have gateway drugs? Yeah, I got you. Okay. <laughs> I just was trying to be an asshole. Anyway, um, so that's interesting that that's. Well, I love that burritos is your favorite food because I love burritos too. Yeah. Um, Although now I usually just do a bowl. I even skip the wrap. I just do like the, you know. That's so lazy. Some call that healthy, but. Yeah, it's mainly just a healthy thing, but that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I guess you have 
for Chipotle, if I go, I'm more likely to get the vegetarian bowl than a burrito. Ever since I heard that, like, that one shell is, like, a thousand calories. <laughs> I don't think it's a thousand. But, I, like, the tortilla, I think, is, like, 300 calories or something. Yeah, that's, like, you know. Yeah, it's also just super filling. Like, you can't eat the whole thing. But if I do a bowl, I can finish it. No, honestly, I, I can eat the whole entire thing. People keep saying, oh, you can't eat it all. I can eat it all. I get sick afterwards, but I can eat it all. Oh, okay. Well, look at me. Uh, like, I can eat it all. Um, anywho, so should we get into the topic? Yeah. Well, so for uh, for next week, listeners, we want to hear your answer uh, to the question, what is your favorite food? Um, either now or tell us, like, your favorite food when you were, like, 10 years old. So that'd be funny to hear also. Oh, that would be hilarious to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So email us at askifyouhavetoask.net. Yeah. Let's get into our main topic. Yes. Um, all right. So this week we're going to talk. A lot of things have been happening this week. Uh, mainly, so many things I, have been happening. Many things have been happening every week, all week. It's overwhelming. I know. It's kind of crazy. Sad things, weird things, some funny things. So one the thing, So we've zeroed in just a couple of things. So last week was the Republican National Convention. And if you're not based in the U.S. and you're out of the... Um, out of the loop for American politics. Justin, can you give us a rundown about what the conventions are about? Yeah, so we have a, uh, we have a, a two-party, mainly two-party system here in the U.S. We have mainly a conservative party and mainly a liberal party. Conservative and liberal don't necessarily mean the same thing as they would mean in other countries, but that's how they're kind of divided here. Republicans are the conservative party in the U.S. So after they have their kind of internal elections, to elect their party, uh, to elect who's going to run um, for president. Uh, they then have a convention, which is like a three or four day kind of affair, where all their what they call delegates from their individual parties all around the country come and they basically cast their vote who they've decided to already cast their vote for and kind of formally ask someone to be their presidential nominee. That person accepts and they also kind of decide on a platform and they say, this is what we're going to be about as a party during this election cycle. And so there's like just kind of days of speeches by different people who are kind of like up and coming or want to, or kind of like signify certain parts of that platform. So that's what a convention is. Last week we had the Republicans. So like the conservative parties uh, convention and next week we'll have the uh, democratic convention. So the more liberal parties convention, Donald Trump is the nominee for the Republicans. Hillary Clinton is the nominee for the uh, Democrats. And this is the part where you can say lots of lots of cuss words, bad words. Where I can, personally. None of us knew that we would get to this place. Uh, but anyway, so we won't talk about the convention itself, but we'll just talk about an event that happened um, at the convention that gave me life for, you know what, it still is. I'm still Googling commentaries about it. But so, um, one of the speeches that was made last week was by Donald Trump's wife. And I don't watch TV, so I'm not really sure. Justin, I'm not really sure how to say her name. Is it Melania? Melania. Melania. Melania Trump. I don't watch TV, so I only, I've read her name. So she made a speech uh, at most, I think almost, I don't know if it's at all, because I don't know about if Laura Bush did it. But at a lot of conventions, the spouses of the candidates, well, we all know the wife of the normally the wife of the candidate will make a speech and talk about how great they are and how wonderful um, and how they are so excited they're running for president because they deserve the uh, they deserve or no because they are servants uh, public servants and they're gonna I don't know it's just a motivational speech to really brag about your spouse. Yeah, so, I think to show like a more like it's usually especially because we usually have male candidates. It's like. It'll be it'll be super interesting to hear Bill Clinton's, but uh, you know it's like kind of like a more family softened side of the candidate. Often, it yeah, usually a lot of times they say, oh, you know, ever since he was little, riding his bike up the street, delivering paper, or he's yeah, like making them sound like the soft person. You may see them as a tough person, but really they're a family man who cares about their family and their neighborhood, or right, and yes. so on. So while she was. Uh, making her speech last um, last week, somebody by the name of Jarrett, 
Hill, um, mm-hmm. who's a Twitter and interior. Well, I don't. I guess you can't be. So maybe you could say like a sh- social media commentator. But um, basically, he's a journalist, and he was the first one to notice that something was amiss during, um, <laughs> during the speech. And so he posted something comment about how there were some similarities between uh, Melania Trump's speech and Michelle Obama's speech in 2008. And so he was the first to catch it. And then Twitter caught on fire because it turns out that um, a paragraph of the speech from um, Michelle sounded uh, from Melania Trump's speech sounded very familiar to Michelle Obama's speech. So familiar that people are highlighting the speeches uh, side by side, and you see that really it is a whole paragraph that's been copied. Right, and, and it was copied from uh, Michelle Obama's speech at the Democratic National Convention in 2008. Like, yes. the <laughs> the speech that it would most likely be compared to regardless. Yes. So, yeah, it just, I, it gave me life. I laughed. But it, it was just so, was, so similar. It was so similar. And then different ridiculous things happen. Uh, the the head of the, what is what do they call the person who's in charge of the RNC, the Republic National Committee? Um, oh, the director? Ryan Priebus. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what his title is. His name so, is Ryan Priebus, yeah. He term. comes out. Chairman. Thank you, oh, Brian. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. No Yay, problem. our... our um, our voice of reason just came in. Um, so he, so yeah, so he comes out to defend her. You know how you just can't defend things that are just too obvious to defend. So he comes out and says, well, you know, there are a lot of speeches. She was using common words and he uses the example. He compares her speech. He quotes sparkle from my little pony. (laughs) And My Little Pony is, uh, it was around even when I was little, but it's very old. Um, there are books and <clears throat> books and shows for little kids. And he compa- he says, you know, maybe she copied, he didn't say these words, but he was like, maybe he copied, Sparkle has a speech similar to what she said. So he was trying to quote everyone else who might have a speech, uh, use same word, similar words that she uses. And Twitter also caught on fire for that because he, it got to the point where he was de- defending her with a, a child's cartoon. And yeah, and at first, which is, like, so ridiculous, and at first, like, no one, I feel like the, the, the campaign, Trump campaign, like, handled this so poorly. Like, Poor. because she had actually come out before her speech and said that she wrote the speech herself. <laughs> no one else help. really helped her. So then she's in this like super weird position of either saying, somebody set me up for this, <laughs> or I did this yes. myself, right? Because there was so no funny. way around it, besides, mm-hmm. I guess, like bring, dragging My Little Pony into it. It's so crazy. And then somehow, um, Donald Trump, the person who apparently was uh, her speechwriter, came out and said, I'm so sorry. Uh, this is my fault. I gave my letter of resignation, but Mr. Trump denied it. And I just read an article today saying that she might not even exist. Wait, really? That, yeah. I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's, um, I think. Meredith I don't McKeever? If, yeah, they said that she didn't have a social media account until this, her apologies came out. She had no presence until uh, this this incident happened. And so people think that she, that they're ma- the campaign is making it up, and they're like, of course they're making it up. Donald Trump is known for making um, making people up, like he used that to do. That is true. He used to. What was his name? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he had an alias where he would he was his own publicist and would call it and talk about how great he was. No, and also they also are saying that it's obvious that sh- he doesn't even have a real speechwriter. So here's that- what I heard. So I heard that she actually had, they they have speechwriters. Mm-hmm. She had a speech that was prepared by like professional speechwriters for her. She yeah. did not like it. So then she asked that? this, no, I didn't hear this. Okay. I just heard this on the internet. But so okay. then, then she asked this. So she is apparently close to this staff writer, Meredith McKeever. Uh, and this is like based on what Meredith McKeever says, uh, that she asked her, to write her a speech because she felt like she knew her better. 
And I guess Melania had just said, like, oh, I really respect Michelle Obama. So she just Googled Michelle Obama a couple times <laughs> and uh, threw this speech together. No, apparently she doesn't. Meredith McKeever doesn't exist. Well, I don't know. And that sounds she, so far-fetched. She didn't have a Wikipedia page or anything until... A staff writer would not have a Wikipedia page. Well, if you look at her page, her Wikipedia page, she looks like... They even have a sibling for her. Yeah, but probably this page was made, Allie, like in the last two days. I know. It's kind of... I don't know. I just think... It says like she's a former ballerina. <laughs> Gosh. And apparently she's his well, um, ghostwriter for Trump, How to Get Rich. This is... Yeah. It's just all, At any rate, it's all just ridiculous, and it's a fiasco, and... Also, a couple days ago, uh, Michelle Obama released her... Well, she didn't release it. She was on... What is his name? Whose show is it? James Corden. James Corden's... um, What is it? The Carpool Show, where she's singing Missy Elliott's Don't Copyright. Carpool Carpool Karaoke. Carpool Karaoke. And she sings one of Missy Elliott's songs that has the words... What is it? Don't Copy Me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it was probably recorded before all this. I think that was just happenstance, though. But I just kind of loved it. There's another yeah. example of social media falls in love with you because you do something really cool. Yeah, totally. That was a really fun video. Yeah. Uh, so when I first heard all this, like I guess before any of the Trump campaign said anything, the only way that I could figure out that that's made any sense was that I just had assumed that someone, that there was like a mole inside of the Trump organization yeah. who had like set them up. You know, and I just, I was thinking maybe I should, probably there's going to be an opening. Maybe I should quit my job, rebrand myself as a Republican and go and apply for this new job that would be opening and fuck with them more. And Uh, It just seemed like such a setup, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it, I still think it was a setup because, but the weird thing is, you know how there's a setup and then there's a setup because I don't know. She, it seems like a sucker move for her to read that. I mean, to not have, I don't know. No one read that speech and said, hey, this Yeah, so this is what I think now is they're just, they have poor staffing. They don't know what they're doing. This is, what I, I think, is the, the easier explanation. Apparently, they don't even have that many staffings. He does his own social media. People keep saying, hire your own social media director. Yeah, I just don't think they, like, know what they're doing. No, he, well, you know what? And, like, you got- everything is, like, rushed and thrown together, you know, it's, like, it seems clear. And so, like, yeah, they didn't have anyone, like, because, like, you should have someone, like, reading over every speech and comparing it to other speeches given, because that's how the media is going to compare it, you know? And they also, they hire most... You could I run think- it from a, through a fact checker, you know, like, or not a fact checker, but one of those, you know, like, uh, for schools, they have this, like, a uh, plagiarism checker. You could yeah. just run it through that and you would have found out automatically that most of this speech already exists. Do you know that's what, like, I think the teachers started doing that when I, or maybe a little bit before when I was in high school, where they would just copy. They loved that. That was their favorite tool that they got. They could copy a sentence and bring down a student within minutes. They loved it. Yeah, I used to do it when I TA'd. I put the whole thing through there. And also, honestly, all they would have to do is hire an intern. People love working for free for these types of campaigns because they, you know, at some oh, point, but it they, was such a mess. It's such a mess. It's and Twitter was, reacted so well. Like, it was Twitter was at its best. And BuzzFeed, I don't. Oh my gosh! I just I was reading it at work, um, and laughing and trying to show it to other people. But I think American politics is so weird that it's you don't even know how to explain the humor. But I think that's the same thing with the Brexit. When I had friends, my British friends were trying to explain it to me and tell me the funny things. I was like. Oh, but why would they have a shadow government? Why? And they're like, what do you mean? Of course they have a shadow government. The the minister of health is ready to step in. The shadow minister of health is ready to step in at any moment. And I'm like, well, what's the point? Um, anyway, so I like... There's all yeah. these great memes of like Melania Trump looking at the mirror, like practicing her speech, being like, I'm a strong, proud black woman. <laughs> We're like, I have to go home right now and put Sasha and Malia back to bed. <laughs> well, when I go to the south side of Chicago, there was, <laughs> there was this one that um, with Philly that she sang uh, in West Philadelphia, born and raised in the. Uh, <laughs> was like, Excuse me? 
And then she's like, where I spent most of my days. And he's like, you have to leave now. <laughs> it's just the best. It shows the, you know, it. people took it so humor. I mean, it's a very serious matter because it means if she, it, I mean, she essentially lied. Yes. Uh, but it just was funny. It's just, it's I mean, funny. I, and I don't know. People get I, so creative. Like, I feel like the internet is at its best when it's like really like creatively riffing on something that's happening. Yes. And it was so creative. No, I mean, I don't even, I could, I, I read it for hours. Yeah. I would, like every, I, every theme of meme, you know, uh, you know, like uh, from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Like all the way to like House of Cards or um, Game of Thrones. Like there were Melania Trump memes in that theme talking about this, you know, like I feel like it went out to like all corners of the internet and they all agreed this was funny. It's so true. And then, I mean, like, they just, the campaign just kept giving more because then they put out My Little Pony and then people were saying, leave My Little Pony out of this. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know. That actually was my favorite part, My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> because, and you know what? The funny silly. thing is, My Little Pony is probably, it's been, you know, it's been op- uh, a thing since 1983. I bet the sales for My Little Pony has skyrocketed since. Since 1983. No, I mean, like, since this speech. No, I mean, I didn't know it was around that long. Yeah, yeah, since 1983. That's as long as I've been around. Oh, my gosh. Is it? Oh, you were born in 19... Oh, I guess you were. I was. But anyway, I bet the sales are good. Yeah. Uh, so now we... Do we have time for to talk about one more thing on social media? Yeah, the definitely. Bad. The bad thing, okay. yeah. Talk about the and other side of this. I think that... Okay, so we will recognize that the Melania Trump thing... It's funny to us, but it's probably not funny to her. It probably hurt her feelings. And we're making a joke out of it because the part that we're, the other thing that we're going to address, there are probably people out there that think it's just as funny as we think the Melania Trump thing is, but it's not. So this part was, so this also happened last week and it happened to Leslie Jones, who's an American comedian and also a comedian and actress and also cast member on SNL. And she just recently started in Ghostbusters, Ghost, in the new version of Ghostbusters. Like a, a remake, a feminist remake of Ghostbusters. A feminist remake of Ghostbusters. I saw this video, or because like, some men were like, "Why do you need to remake Ghostbusters into you know with all female cast?" Um, it was diverse before, and there's this video. It's brilliant. It shows the main, the uh, most important women. In the first Ghostbusters, it one is the librarian running away from a ghost. <laughs> one is the secretary being told what to do, and it talks about the different ones. And it's just hilarious because I mean, I watched that movie as a little girl, and I never saw. I it wasn't a. I mean, it didn't cross my mind. Of course, it wouldn't. It didn't cross my mind that I should think that all the women in that show are not even supporting actors; they're just props for. Yeah. Um, the main characters and so on. So anyway, so Leslie uh, plays in this new movie and she received on Twitter, she received a whole bunch of racist, misogynist, uh, 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 what is that? Tweets um, talking about not talking about her gender, talking about her race and liking her to an ape, all of the different, all the worst trashiest things that could possibly happen on Twitter were happening to her. And it was led by Milo, and I don't know how to say his last name. Do you know how? No, I don't know either. Okay, look. Well, he's been banned from Twitter, so you probably can't find <laughs> him. So I'm going to try to say it. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. He, okay, he's Greek. He's, he's a conservative. He's a troll. He's a troll. He's a troll. He's a, um, he's a conservative journalist. He edits um, Breitbart.com, which is a conservative news and opinion website. So he was the one that started, apparently he's the one that started it off by tweeting, flat as a pancake, black stylings. People were calling her, and so he said that, and then in addition, people were calling her an ape, like I said before. And as this was happening to her, she was retweeting all of the racist, sexist tweets um, to draw attention to it. And this is, and so people were coming to her defense. But it just was showing all of the ugly, the ugliest things that you could possibly see on Twitter. And, you know, if you read about it, a lot of women are saying, particularly African-American women or black women, wherever um, they're from, uh, we're saying, like, this is not, this is a norm, uh, and it's not, it's the rule less of the exception. And so 
what ended up happening in response, Twitter went, uh, Leslie kept retweeting every single mean thing that he was saying, and Twitter ended up banning him from Twitter. And this is what, um, this is what they said. Over the past 48 hours in particular, we've seen an uptick in the number of accounts violating our policies and have taken enforcement actions against these accounts, ranging from warnings that also require the deletion of tweets um, violating our policies to permanent suspension. Um, and they said, Jones's experience is merely a high-profile example of the kinds of abuse that persists for many people on Twitter, especially women of color. Over the past year, Twitter has taken many steps to signal to the world that it takes harassment seriously. It has banned revenge porn, issued new anti-harassment rules, established a trust and safety council, and de-verified high-profile users like Milo that it considered as abusive. Um, and so I guess the thing is they did something, but it's still disgusting and disturbing because it shows, I don't know, it's... Uh, it's a, there's a dark side out there to the internet, yeah. for sure. You know, and it's... Uh, I mean, I think there's like a couple of things that are like important to mention here. And so like one is that like all the actresses who starred in the Ghostbusters remake got lots of um, like negative and misogynistic things. But I think that uh, they really like us with with Leslie Jones, they like really centered on her, especially as a woman of color. Like it's 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 easier it was easier for them to like really pick on her and harass her right Uh, and also i mean i'll also add as a woman of color but also as a woman of color who is by most standards well in walking down the street a normal sized woman because they were also making fun of her weight saying she should be on weight watchers and she even mentioned i mean this wasn't even she tweeted this saying that for the premiere of um the movie she couldn't find anyone to dress her mm-hmm. like no one wanted to make a dress for her and then i forget what his name is but um or her but a designer came up and was like i'll dress you because you know different like i'm not a one size fits all designer and so oh, she got somebody yeah it's kind of i don't know i mean i'm not that active as a black woman i'm or as a woman or as a as a person in general i'm not that active on twitter i just actually love getting on Twitter just to see, um, to be able to find, figure out like what's the, what's in the news without having to go to CNN or finding like really good articles that people post, but it's just disturbing and it made me really sad. But then also I'm thinking that I'm laughing at Melania, but she, I, I don't know. Um, I think there's differences. I don't, I understand the point of talking about them side by side, but I also don't think that like, I don't, I don't, they don't, you know, the, they're not just like the same thing happening and not one, one, the person we like and one, the person we don't like. Right. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say it. Like I, th- I don't go too far or I would not go too far saying they're, they're exactly the same kind of thing happening. They're, yeah. They're not I, I wasn't seeing like tweets against Melania, like calling her like nasty misogynistic words. Like people were just like being funny about the situation. They weren't like attacking her gender, um, no. you know, or her race, or her her nationality, or her non-Americanness. I didn't they hear. They were attacking action. Yeah, like, and I don't know. I wouldn't even say attacked. I think they were just like it was like funny riffs on something, which yeah. is different than like telling someone like, "Oh, you're an, a nasty ape," or "Your body's not right," or you know, like whatever those kind of things are. Yeah, but Twitter like anonymity has this problem. I mean, you got all these like nasty people on Twitter. You also remember when uh, Robin Williams died and his yeah. daughter—I oh, can't remember her name right now—but uh, his daughter got all these like just like terrible, like terrible nasty tweets about her father, or like sending her pictures of like like made up pictures of her dad like dead or with his head chopped off, you know. And you think, yeah, I, like, so what kind of people do this? Like, who is sitting, what are these people like in their real life? And, and I, don't, I don't really know, but I do think that they're probably not doing that in their real life. It's because they get to be anonymous, and it brings out this, like, really nasty, dark side of people. Exactly. And, I mean, the thing is, I'm, yeah, you always wonder if there was a case where people always say it, all, people always say it like, you know, if people who were able to come, you know, come up, 
stop hiding behind their keyboard and just face the person. You know who does this? Um, Jimmy Fallon, I think. He, it's, I no, it's actually not Jimmy Fallon. It's Jimmy Kimmel. Has this thing where he has people read the mean tweets that have been said about them. Oh, yeah, I have seen that, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, my favorite one is the Obama one because he makes it into a joke. But he has, like, artists read the tweets that are said, like, read the mean tweets that are said about them, and they're horrifying. And uh, most recently there was, uh, I forget, this female reporter, they had a whole bunch of men uh, read tweets, um, think social media posts that had been said about her. And the men, some of the men started crying because they were like, oh my gosh, because they were like, you need to die or things like, I hope somebody rapes you, all of these mean things. And they had men read it to her. Yeah. And so they had to read it. And sometimes they were like, I can't read it. And they were like, no, 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 just read it. And they were horrified. And I wonder, like, if people who wrote these things had to sit and read those things to people's face faces, what it, I mean, God. Yeah. It's really nasty. And I just feel like there's not, um, so far at least, uh, on Twitter, this is not true, like, on all platforms, but on Twitter so far, there hasn't been, like, a lot of, uh, and it's like kind of like how Twitter wants to be, right? There's not a lot of enforcement or policies in general. So people just get to, like this freedom. So everyone like gets, I think like a little, or not everyone, but some people get like a little nasty. But then what you really see is that people who are like part of uh, marginalized or stereotyped or minority communities, um, they of course get the worst of it because it's always easier to like punch down, right? To like punch these people who were, it's really, you, you know, like we all have these like words and phrases that we know that really hurt people who are different, you know? Right. So I'm sure like white, white male heterosexual actors also get some shit that gets said to them just because people get to be anonymous, but it can't even hurt probably in the same way as when you say these things that are, that like we've set up in our society to, you know, denigrate people. Exactly. And some, yeah, I, one of the funniest things, it's actually not that funny, but it's kind of funny. If people, people that I'm Facebook friends with, and I hate Facebook, if I had never, if I hadn't moved to Jordan, I would not have a Facebook. Um, but I find it sometimes people that write really strong posts on Facebook, because that's not anonymous at all. You know these people. And then you see them in person, and they're pretty unassuming. They would never say the things that they say on Facebook to you. You meet, there are these shy people with really strong social, uh, with strong media voices. Have you ever yeah. had that? Well, I guess you're not on social media. You're not on Facebook. But I've just seen people say uh -huh. some very crazy political things. And then I see them and they're like, hey, Allie. And you're like, I kind of hate you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, honestly, that's why I left Facebook. It was like too many people too many people's opinion who don't even know me about me and yeah. my life, my whatever my lifestyle is just giving me shit. And I don't like, I don't need it in my life. It's yeah. just hard enough to like get through my regular day with just me and the world around me that I have to interact with. I don't need like random people who aren't in my, aren't in my immediate world's opinion also. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. Anyway, well, that's shout, shout out to Leslie Jones, because I think like one of the things that I really liked that she said is, uh, you know, a lot of people she said a lot of people told her like, oh, just ignore it, you know, like don't ignore yeah. it. And she said, no, I'm not going to not I'm not going to like just ignore this. Like this is not OK. Yeah. You know, like this is like clearly not OK. And something has to be done when I'm getting like rape threats and death threats and things that are that our society has deemed, you know, to not be OK. I'm right. just not going to ignore it. I've, and it's not about her like rising above or not rising above. You know, yeah. it's saying that this is wrong and this is a pattern that has continued to happen. So like shout out for her to take in. I mean, I'm sure it's like sucks to like be there to stay online, to read all these things and to retweet them and to bring light to them. You know, I, if it was me, I probably just would have like, again, like I would just quit or signed off or something. But yeah. she really stayed in it. Exactly. And a lot of people came to her defense and really if she you're right if she hadn't said stayed and kept retweeting all of these mean things i'm sure twitter wouldn't have said anything if she hadn't brought up the attention and other really pig you know figures oh, sure. stepped right. in twitter would have been like ah oh, this is just how it is for as many bad shit that's put on twitter i 
I suspect that they would not have done anything. So good for her. And because this is not new, they haven't been doing anything. So yeah, I think that's definitely have, true. Yeah, good for her for not being, you know, like okay, I'm just gonna sign off and like this is a terrible thing, but for taking action because free speech is one thing, but I mean, somebody owns Twitter. Yeah, a lot of people own Twitter. Well, I mean, like there, it's a. What I mean by that is, it's a company that right. if it's a company yeah. that it can be man, it can manage some of the. Um, right. It's not some. It's not some free platform that anyone can just use. Like there are people who decide the policies. Right. Exactly. I yes. mean, yeah. A lot of the big news station, big news corporations, took the comment sections out of their um, articles because yeah, they realized it's always shit. Yeah, it's always shit and people say like trolling and saying things. And I think a lot of well, a lot of them just took the comments away because it was causing more harm than good. And yeah, they totally. had that they had that control. Like right. Twitter right. has the control. Clearly it has the control to delete people. And honestly, if you have if you free speech is one thing, but if you have policies and regulations and people break them, then they they don't get to use your platform. Yeah. So. Totally. Which I do think you have to be, I mean, this is like, I don't think it's like an easy thing to decide. I mean, some of them are clear, clearly easy like this. I do understand that um, Twitter has, has become this place where it feels like, you know, I mean, I think you look at like maybe like the Egyptian, um, I'm, I'm putting revolution in quotes or whatever, the spring yeah. uprising. You're talking yeah. about the, the Arab Spring just this? The Arab Spring, yeah. Uh, in quotes, whatever. Uh, but also like Black Lives Matter, like there, it, I think it is important that there is space for for voices that maybe not all of society um, deems as important. But I do yeah. think that there have to be like clear lines around, um, yeah. particularly I mean, like uh, what I would call like punching down and like and threats of violence. Like I don't, I mean. I'm not in the U.S. right now, so this doesn't matter. Even if I was there, it doesn't matter. I'm. I don't have. I have a hundred people following me on Twitter. Um, I don't actually believe in free speech. I don't believe it in the way that it's being implemented in the U.S. Because there think? are other, there. Like for example, uh, I don't know it that well. I have to look it up more. But South Africa actually doesn't. Ha it has free speech, but the free speech is limited in that people cannot um, cannot utilize it to harm other people cannot uh, they can't be abusive towards other people with their speech yes and so i think they have free free speech is limited but i think i'm okay with it yeah i mean that's true in the u.s also well i don't know you could we have free speech but there's not you can't say you can't threaten to kill a president right yeah, like but there are things that you can't do Okay, look, <laughs> you can't threaten to kill a president, which is like the biggest figure in the U.S. It's free speech until you threaten to kill the president. But I mean, there are people that can threaten to kill you or, you know, it can go every, I don't know, free speech is, I don't think it's used in a productive manner. I feel like that it, we as a country could benefit from drawing some parameters around it outside of you can't threaten the president. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, that's true. I just think it's a balance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a balance and it's tricky because, but I think sometimes some places, some are straightforward. Like, for example, I would, the Westboro Baptist people that come and protest at funerals, I would limit their speech. Or Always or, or funerals? And I would always, I mean, as long as they're publicly, um, actually, you know what, at, probably the best example is to say limited at funerals. Yeah. Because that's the most obvious place, and that's the space that they they are known to come and invade. I would limit. I would find no problem in censoring them and limiting their speech, because I think that they're also in their free speech. They're hurting other people's freedom as well. Yeah. So I think I'm probably a little bit left of you on that. What do you mean? I mean, like I, I think that I would agree that maybe. It's certain, like, funerals and stuff, they shouldn't be allowed, that their speech could be curtailed then. Is it, like, a set-aside kind of thing? But, I mean, I disagree with uh, everything that these people say. I mean, they're very anti-me. But I do think, like, that it is important that they have the ability to say those things. If, yeah, I but, but I do draw a line 
at uh, threatening violence. But if they want to say like, oh, America's going to hell because we got gay people and you're all sodomites and whatever, like to me, they should be able to say that if that's what they think. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just like, it's an overlapping, it's a, it's a strange, um, what is it? It's a strange right because in um, exercising that right, you're also limiting other people's rights. Like their right to right. feel safe yes. in the area, their right to feel, you know, that's true. So yeah, it's tricky. That's true. But I'm, but I'm saying like as a gay person whose I think speech was uh, in history often like gay voices were very curtailed. Like to me, if I get to say if if at all times in history I get to say what what I get to feel like as a queer person, then then they should get the same right to what they think they should be able to say as uh, not in threats of violence, but as in what is ever speaking their mind about it. I think they get it too. Mm. that's just that's that's me you know what i'm not okay with i'll tell you this and i'll bring our two stories together is that every time at the republican national convention when they bring up hillary everyone starts to chant lock her up that to me is a threat of violence and i thought that was like so appalling that they kept on saying this about this woman lock her up lock her up like i think i don't know which speaker said it but it was pretty prominent i don't know if it was um uh, what is his name? The former mayor of New York. Um, Giuliani. Fucking crazy. Said that some speaker was like, she deserves to be put before the firing squad. Yeah. So, like, so not okay. Actually, yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's like, okay, you get to say whatever you want, but you don't get to talk about people and say that they deserve to die or go to jail. Unless they really, I mean, maybe they might deserve to go to jail. I'm not talking about Hillary. But you don't get to say that they should be put by a firing squad. Yeah. It's not a thing. But yeah, so I'm a little, it's something that I, I've had discussions with a lot of people from different countries about, like the, the idea of free speech and what does it mean if I'm exercising my freedom and it limits somebody else's? Like, is it, it's, I'm exercising, it's freedom for me, but oppression for someone else. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So I don't know. It's a true, I, I don't believe in free speech for myself. I don't believe I should go out and say things, certain things. Um, right, but, but I just also feel like, and we can wrap this up because we're like running a little long, but I just also feel like like there's a lot of Christians out there who say like when a gay person says that, uh, you know, you can be gay and in a loving relationship and uh, that gay people, you can have two men be together or you can call it marriage and it's okay. They feel like that to them is lim- is like, is like violence against them. I mean, they feel like, not violence, but they think that that is curtailing like their their um, the possession they have over the word of marriage and defining what a relationship is. And I'm not down with that. And you know what? The thing is, if as long as they're not out cussing and cursing for you to die, and they want to they want to have a dialogue about why that word belongs to them, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that too. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I, it's when they bring out the, cr- the burning crosses or you're going to hell and that thing. That's where I'm like, it's not a dialogue. You're just being a hateful person. And yeah. you you're, you don't get to be part of the conversation. You can have it yeah. in your house. But anyway, interesting stuff to think about. Social media, freedom, your rights that you're exercising um, and how it impacts other people. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, interesting conversation. I feel like we would have had this conversation on and off or off and the... offline, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Um, well, it was... I was going to say it was great talking to you guys, but we were only talking to each other. But <laughs> It was good we, talking to you, Ali. It was great talking to you, Tristan. Very productive. We look forward to, on a lighter note, we look forward to hearing um, your answers to our question of what your favorite food is. And also, as always, we look forward to hearing your thoughts about the show and the feedback that you have. Some of you have been giving feedback, and we're trying to incorporate them into our sessions. We hope you um, see that, and we hope you continue listening and staying engaged. We are also, I have a Facebook page for us that I have not um, invited anyone to. That I (laughs) I'll, after all the shit I was talking about Facebook, I hope you'll utilize Facebook to help us promote our show. <laughs> uh, yeah, email us at askifyouhavetoask.net. What is it again? Tell me again. Askifyouhavetoask.net. Yes. 
You forgot the at, right? Or no? Ask at, if you have to ask, dot net. Okay. Sorry, I'm losing my American accent. Um, right. My ear for American accents. Anyway, well, we hope you guys have a great two weeks. And we'll you'll be hearing from us soon. Yeah, talk to you in two weeks. All right, bye. Bye. Thank you.